Welcome to the Man Cave. It's the Man Cave Football Podcast with Dan Gasper. What up, what up? It is the Man Cave Football Podcast. I am your host, Dan Casper. As always, it's finally here. Football season right around the corner. Week one getting started Thursday night. Packers versus Bears. If I sound like I'm out of breath, it's because I am. I've been waiting long time, like a lot of you listening right now, for the start of the 2019-2020 NFL season. It's here. we got division picks uh, coming up in this podcast. going to give you my predictions on who I think will uh, win each division and my Super Bowl matchup. But uh, let's get you caught up on a couple of the bigger stories that I want to highlight in this podcast, uh, the latest stories surrounding the NFL, because it's been a crazy last uh, couple days, last few days here, as uh, teams are figuring out their rosters, preseason is over with, uh, rosters for the most part are set. I mean, you're going to see some tinkering here and there, but uh, I mean, just a couple, you know, big trade with uh, uh, the Houston Texans, Jadavian Clowney going to Seattle. And then the Texans giving up a lot, a lot of draft picks, a couple first-round picks for Tunsil and Kenny Stills. Really didn't get a whole lot in return for Jadavian Clowney when they sent him over to Seattle. But, you know, a lot of talk about the Houston Texans and what they did this past weekend. They didn't get a whole lot for Jadavian Clowney. They gave up a lot for Tunsil to finally, hopefully, solidify that left tackle spot to keep Deshaun Watson upright and a little bit more healthier. But remember, the Texans don't have a general manager. Bill O'Brien's acting as general manager. So I look at the moves, and I'm left scratching my head, really, because, A, I think you could have gotten more in return for Jadavian Clowney. I mean, I understand if you don't want to pay him a whole lot. You already are paying J.J. Watts on that defense quite a bit of money. They're going to end up paying Deshaun Watson a quite a bit of money. So, I mean, but you could have, I would think, have gotten more in return for Jadavian Clowney. Now I understand he kind of, uh, you know, could have held it, hold, held some power in this. You know, there was a talk about whether he would be going to the Dolphins, and he said, you know, I'm not going to sign a long-term contract or still report or sign my tender, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I mean, now he's going to Seattle, a place that he wanted to go, but he's not signing a long-term there, and that was part of the promise from Seattle. They're not going to tag him next year, so. I, this to me, though, it just it, it seems really weird, and I I wonder if the Texans, if they would have had a full time general manager in place, if they could have gotten a better deal for Jadavian Clowney. I mean, a third round pick and a couple of uh, role players or backup players, that doesn't seem like a whole lot. Now I know Jadavian Clowney hasn't really lit up the stat sheets in terms of sacks and all that, and there's been some health issues surrounding him, but it sure seems like that Jadavian Clowney could have fetched. A little bit more. And then you turn around and you give up a lot of picks, first round pick, a couple first round picks, and that for, for Larry Tunsil, and then Kenny Stills, who might have been released by the Dolphins to begin with. I get solidifying. And, so the Tunsil one, I, I get more than the Jadavian Clowney one in terms of the need and maybe overspending, but I think maybe you overspent too much on, on Tunsil. I get that the the Texans finally had to nail down that left tackle spot for Deshaun Watson. They're kind of in the same mind frame uh, mind frame as some of these quarterback or teams with younger quarterbacks. 
trying to win now while your quarterback is on, on a cheaper deal, essentially. So I get going after and trying to solidify that spot. But sign Tunsil then to a long-term deal. Make that part of the deal. If you're going to give up that much draft capital, wouldn't you have a long-term contract figured out so you don't have to worry about it? Especially in the upcoming offseason here? That, that, that just that didn't make sense to me. So I understand wanting to nail down, down, nail down that position, but sign him to a long-term deal. What happens if they lose Laramie Tunsil next year? I mean, good Lord, Bill O'Brien probably might get fired. Anything short of a deep playoff run. So, I mean, that's not everybody can be a Bill Belichick and be a head coach and a general manager and be pretty dang good at both, especially when Bill O'Brien, a coach, has to probably maybe concentrate on winning some playoff games. I just I did not understand the Texans' moves. I, I mean, not too surprised that they traded Javon Clowney and went out and tried to find a left tackle. But come on, they could have fetched more for Clowney, I think, and they had to nail If you're going to give up that much for a left tackle, sign him to a long-term deal. Come on, that that, that just... It made no sense to me. Speaking of long-term deals, uh, the Cowboys finally wrapping up uh, the Ezekiel Elliott drama going on over there. Six-year deal, monster deal. Six-year deal, $90 million, around $50 million guaranteed. Cowboys have been shelling out some money as of late these last few few days. Uh, Jalen Smith getting a nice new contract. Uh, Collins, the right tackle, getting a nice new contract. Ezekiel Elliott getting a monster deal. Cowboys, I mean, they still got some big couple name, uh, big name players out there that uh, looking for new deals. Got Cooper, the wide receiver, and of course Dak Prescott looking for a new deal. I remember, just a couple months ago, a few months ago, the report out there was that uh, Dak Prescott was looking for a contract averaging forty million dollars a year. You know, a you're not going to get forty million dollars a year if you're if you're Dak Prescott. If you're if you're Patrick Mahomes, yeah, maybe you will. Dak Prescott, no, he ain't getting forty million dollars a year. Come on, I get start high. That's your bar. That's that's where you start negotiations, but that just ain't happening. But you look at the Cowboys. It's a, it's an interesting situation because, I mean, they've invested a lot of money, a lot of money, and a lot of uh, of time in that offensive line. I mean, if you look at some of those contracts they gave those linemen, they weren't three four year deals. You're talking. Six, eight-year deals for some of those offensive linemen. Smith, Collins, Frederick. I mean, there's a lot of money invested in that offensive line right now. So when I look at the Cowboys, I mean, a lot of the talk was, okay, who are you going to sign first, Zeke or Dak? I think they made the right choice in signing Zeke. Because if you're going to invest that amount of money in that offensive line, you've got one of the best running backs in the game, maybe the best running back in the game, ground and pound all day. Dak's a better quarterback with Zeke on the field. I mean, you look at last year, Dak finally started to play a little bit better when they brought in Cooper. So Dak Prescott, not trying to knock on the guy or or pick on him or anything, but he's a quarterback that... Plays a lot better when he's got some role players, some some good talent around him. He's not an Aaron Rodgers. He's not a Tom Brady. He's not a Drew Brees. 
maybe not even a Patrick Mahomes, even though Patrick Mahomes a couple years in, but I mean we we've seen his his talent already. Dak Prescott's not not one of those where he can create on his own. He needs the help. So you know the interesting thing now with the Cowboys is, do you have enough money to go around to to sign Cooper and Dak Prescott and still keep some of your big name role players? You know Byron Jones coming up here in a little bit. Don't you want to keep him in your secondary? I know they've got a few more years with uh, with uh, Leighton Vanderesh, but I mean, looking down the line here, I know he's entering just his second year, but looking down the line, the Cowboys could find themselves paying a lot of money to eight players, nine players, ten players, and then their depth is going to be all concentrated on really cheap, undrafted type of players, and that's not necessarily what you want. So I I don't know if the Cowboys, if they're going to get into this, you know what, we got to make a decision. Do we keep Cooper or do we do we spend 30-plus million a year on Dak Prescott? I think the Cowboys made the right decision in going with Zeke. But if they have to pick between either signing Dak Prescott or Cooper or decide, you know, between keeping Dak and Cooper but their depth is going to be really depleted, I think you could say goodbye to Dak Prescott, which it's an interesting thing because we know that the league is run by quarterbacks. It's easily run by quarterbacks. It's a quarterback league. It's a passing league. But the way the Cowboys are currently constructed, that offense runs through number 21, Zeke Elliott. It runs through Zeke Elliott. Now, the Cowboys obviously don't want to get in a situation where they're trying to find a quarterback again. I mean, no team wants to do that. That's why teams spend a lot of money on their quarterbacks. They'd rather not try to trade up in a draft and give up a lot of draft capital in hopes that they found their future at quarterback. More times than not, that fails. So teams don't really want to put themselves in that position because if they find that they have a quarterback that can be a capable starter and win some games, they're going to hold on to that guy. But the Cowboys are kind of in a different situation because of how that team is built. It's the running game. Even in a passing league, it's the running game in Dallas. It's like the mid-90s, early-90s Dallas Cowboys again. Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, huge offensive line, and then Troy Aikman. Now, Troy Aikman's a Hall of Fame quarterback. But did the Cowboys win those Super Bowls because of Troy Aikman? Not knocking on him. I, I mean, Troy Aikman had a hand in winning those Super Bowls. No doubt about it. He was a good quarterback. And Dak Prescott's a good quarterback. But he was was he the main guy on there? No. No, he wasn't. So the Cowboys, I guess if I was playing general manager for the Cowboys, I think you almost have to roll the dice and maybe go in a different direction at quarterback. If Dak Prescott wants that thirty plus million dollars a year, you know, and that's that's kind of the frustrating thing, I guess, at, at times, and maybe it's more frustrating if you're a fan when you look at the quarterback, or I guess even running backs or any position in the league, but more so the quarterbacks. When it's time for a quarterback to get paid for that new contract, it's always like, well, you know. So-and-so was the highest paid, so these guys are up next. That means they're automatically going to surpass them. You know, Aaron Rodgers, highest paid. Russell Wilson surpassed him, highest paid. Carson Wentz, now recently just Jared Goff. 
So does that mean Dak Prescott now is going to be the next highest paid one because he's next in line? No, it's just this ladder that keeps getting climbed and climbed and climbed and climbed. It's going to keep continue to happen that way. At what point are, are we going to see, start to see teams say, yeah, no. Kind of like what Washington did with Kirk Cousins. Nah, we, we, you know, we're not going to pay you $30 million. We're We're going to go, go a different direction. We're going to try to find somebody else. Good luck, Kirk. Minnesota paid him $30 million. You know, it, it's different when you put, like, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, you know, those guys in a group, and you're like, okay, so-and-so got this, next person's going to get this, next person's going to get that. But are we really going to, you know, say that Dak Prescott earns should deserve more money than, like, Aaron Rodgers? Now, I get the market dictates it. And I've been a big preacher on that, that, you know what, it's not, contracts don't necessarily mean that that's the best player. Whoever earns the most doesn't necessarily mean they are the best player. It's what the market dictates. And that and that's the truth. It's what the market dictates at this point. But on the flip side, if you're be- shouldn't the best employees or the best players earn the most? I don't know. It's a touchy subject. It's a touchy subject. But I guess, you know, to kind of reel it back in, if I'm the Cowboys and if I have to choose between these two scenarios, paying Dak or paying Cooper, I might pay Cooper, the wide receiver. If I have to choose between paying Dak and Cooper, but then, you know what, your depth, really depleted. You're going to be counting on some guys making the minimum, just over the minimum, some undrafted rookie free agents, all that stuff. Still might just, I might pick. Uh, I might still pick Cooper and going for getting some more depth. Injuries happen in football. It's a physical game. It's not flag football yet. Interesting times, though, in in the big D in Dallas. I wonder if Jared Jones kind of wishes the NFL didn't have a salary cap at this point so he can play a little New York Yankees Steinbrenner version and just open up the pocketbook and not have to worry about all that. Makes it uh, sometimes a little bit easier for a general manager to construct their team. Flip side, one running back got paid. Another running back still waiting to get paid. Melvin Gordon with uh, with the L.A. Chargers. Now, Chargers last year were a Super Bowl contending team. Heading into this year, uh, a lot of people still expect them to be a Super Bowl contending team. Melvin Gordon's a dang good football player, and he wants a new contract. Doesn't want to put any more wear and tear in his body, but he wants a new contract. This one, I mean, you know, Zeke, a little bit younger than uh, Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon wants that new contract. Now, you know, Todd Gurley, same draft class as Melvin Gordon, got a new contract last year. Gordon wants his now. Chargers haven't uh, been willing to give it to him right now. The Gordon one, uh, to me, is a little bit different. Gordon, I mean, Badger fans know. Badgers use and abuse their running backs. It's a running program down there in Madison. Run, run, run. We'll throw in a few passes here and there. Run, run, run. Now, Gordon was dinged up a little bit last year. He's been dinged up a little bit before, but he's got a lot of wear and tear in that body. So, you know, if I'm the Chargers, I'm looking at Gordon saying, you know what? You've got a lot of wear and tear from your college days. Got some wear and tear here in the NFL. Do we want to invest $15 million a year, $12, $13 million a year in a guy that's 
you know, got a lot of money, but running backs already have a have a or excuse me, a lot of wear and tear on them. But running backs already have a short shelf life in the NFL. I mean, the Chargers, their Super Bowl contending team. Do they do they look at themselves as a Super Bowl contending team and saying, you know, we need Gordon to get that Vince Lombardi Trophy? So here, here's the money. Get in. Let's get after it this year. Or do they look at it in terms of a long term picture and be like, you know what, Melvin, you got a lot of wear and tear on that body. We're, we're not comfortable in giving you a contract that's thirteen, fourteen million dollars a year for the next few years because we're not confident that. You're going to be able to play at a high level for that long. The Gordon one's a little bit more interesting to me because of Gordon's history, because of the mileage on Melvin Gordon. Do I think the Chargers need Gordon to win a Super Bowl? He definitely helps. I think he's one of their best offensive players. I think he makes them a more legit Super Bowl contending team. Yeah, especially I mean, you look at that division. They're going to be they, they go up against the other. Super Bowl contending team in the conference with the Chiefs and then the Patriots also in there as well. I mean, you look at the AFC, I think a lot of people will look at uh, that conference and say it's led by three teams, favorites to go to the Super Bowl. Patriots, Chiefs, Chargers. Does Gordon put them over the edge to win a Super Bowl? I think he's got that talent. I definitely do but they, they're loaded, too. The Chargers are loaded to where I think they can still get to the big game without Gordon. And I think that's why you're starting to maybe see the rumors going out there that, hey, we're, we may be willing to trade Gordon for a first and a fifth. We want him because he makes our team better. But, A, we know the mileage he has on him, and we believe we can still win without him. They'd rather have him because it probably makes it a lot easier. The Gordon one's a little bit different than the Zeke situation, whereas you know the Cowboys are 100% a running team. Chargers obviously want to establish the run. They're a little old school there. But they've gotten a more proven quarterback in Phillip Rivers than they do in Dak Prescott. So I, I think a lot of it boils down to when you look at Melvin Gordon, do the Chargers sit there and wonder, you know what, he's he's been used and abused. We don't, we don't want to commit a long-term contract to him. We want to prove. We want to see him prove it that he can stay healthy. That he can be a serviceable back, serviceable back yet. We don't want to invest a lot of money into that. I don't know. It, it, uh, that's going to be another interesting one uh, to follow. But it sure seems like Melvin Gordon won't be starting the season for the Chargers. All right, let's do it. Let's get to my uh, division predictions. Who's going to win each division in the NFL? And then I'll give you my Super Bowl predictions as well Well, let's get at it uh, right away here uh but uh, let's start off with the nfc let's start off with the nfc let's go to the west rams 49ers seahawks cardinals i'm sticking with the rams okay i i know seattle made that big splash with with jadavian Clowney, but overall the depth wise and the talent on the roster i still think the rams have the best overall talent on that roster than what Seattle has right now. Uh, so that's where I'm sticking with the Rams to still be the NFC West uh, champions this year. Uh, San Francisco is a curious one because it's all going to be led by Jimmy G. Can Jimmy G take him to the next level? I think it's still kind of unknown. Can he stay healthy and take him to that next level? Uh, we didn't get to see it last year because he got hurt with the with the knee injury. But uh, I, think this, I think the future is still kind of bright in San Francisco. they got a lot of young talent over there that's 
It's kind of fun to watch, but it's gonna be it's gonna start with Jimmy G, and just because of that unknown factor, I'm still going with the Rams and the NFC West, NFC South. You got Saints, you got Falcons, you got Panthers, you got the Bucks, Bucks. Bruce Arians. I, I think the Bucks are gonna be improved this year because of Bruce Arians. He's one of the best coaches in the league. Uh, Falcons, I think, will be a little bit better this year. Panthers are still going to be a tough out. But the Saints, honestly, could this be the Saints' last go at it? Drew Brees getting up there in age. I Little questions surrounding, did Brees start to hit that wall last year towards the end of the season? Ah, that's still a little tricky here. But I'm still going to ride with the Saints, and I think their window is closing pretty quick here with Drew Brees. It's going to be closing pretty quick. They need to go out to a hot start just in case Breeze starts to hit that wall this year. Hot start. Saints need it this year. I'm still riding with them uh, to go with the NFC South. NFC North, you got Packers. A lot of question marks surrounding there. Uh, Bears defending champs, division champs. I think the Lions are going to be a little bit better this year, especially on defense. Uh, then you got the Vikings. You know, this division's interesting uh, to me. Packers, I think, are one of the biggest question marks in the team or in the league because we don't know what to expect. Yeah, they made a lot of moves in free agency, a lot of moves that has a lot of people excited about that defense this year. But we still don't know how it's going to work out. Uh, the offense, new head coach, new play caller, Matt LaFleur, a lot of excitement surrounding that. But again, we don't know how it's going to work out because we don't even have a sample size of it. So to me, I, until they prove it, till I actually see it, I can't pick them to win a division. So then I look at the Bears. Bears, I think, are going to fall off a little bit. I think the loss of Vic Fangio is a huge loss for that defense. No offense to Chuck Pagano, and that defense still has a lot of talent on there. But Vic Fangio, maybe the best defensive mind in the league right now. So losing him, I think, is a big loss. And then, you know, Matt Nagy, second year running this team, you know Everything's on film now. Last year, came in, first-time head coach. That offense utilized Mitchell Trubisky very well. It's on film now. So does the offense kind of take a little bit of a step back, which leads me to the Vikings. The Vikings, Mike Zimmer's on the hot seat. Talk about closing windows. I think it's the Vikings this year. Uh, the one thing I worry about with the Vikings are actually two things. Kirk Cousins, what kind of quarterback is he going to be this year? Uh, and then Mike Zimmer has a tendency to kind of really get anxious and press a lot of stuff and maybe put a lot of stress on himself. You know, if, does he do that knowing that this is this is the year that we have to do something or I lose my job? So does he push it too much a little bit? That's my biggest concern surrounding the Vikings. But overall... Something in me right now at this point in time, it's in the early part of September, I'm going with the Vikings to win the NFC North. I like the receivers. I still like their defense. So I'm going to go with the Vikings uh, in the NFC North. NFC East, Cowboys locking up people left and right. Uh, Washington, Haskins going to end up being the starting quarterback. Same with the Giants. Daniel Jones going to end up being the starting quarterback at some point. I'm riding with the Eagles to win the division in the NFC East. Let's go to the AFC AFC West, you've got the Broncos, you've got the Raiders, you've got the Chiefs, and you've got the Chargers. We talked quite a bit already about the Chiefs and the Chargers, maybe being two out of the three favorites in the AFC. I think the Broncos are on their way, maybe. They still need some pieces on that team. But I think Vic Fangio is going to turn Von Miller and Bradley Chubb into the two best pass-rushing duos in the league. Or I should say the best pass-rushing duo in the league. 
Raiders, who the heck knows what's going to go on, especially with the whole A-B drama and John Gruden, all that stuff. Chargers, is McGordon going to be there with them this year? They're still going to be a tough out. I'm riding with the Chiefs this year uh, to win the AFC West. AFC South, talk about the last week or so. Andrew Luck retiring? That one's surprising a lot of people. Side note, the Andrew Luck retirement surprised me more. I, I think that's the biggest surprising retirement over Barry Sanders, over Calvin Johnson, because Barry Sanders, when he retired, Hall of Famer. Yes, he could have been an all-time leading rusher. Clear-cut Hall of Famer. Calvin Johnson is at least in the discussion to be in the Hall of Fame. Andrew Luck, remember when he was drafted, next best thing since John Elway. Colts moving on from Peyton Manning for Andrew Luck. Started off really good. And then injuries and then just wasn't able to stay healthy. Andrew Luck's not going to the Hall of Fame. That to me is what's surprising. He was on that path to be a Hall of Famer. And then no more. So that's why, to me, it's a little bit more surprising. But looking at this AFC South, got the Colts. Everybody's going to be paying attention to that uh, quarterback spot, which is going to be Percet. You've got the Jaguars. Can Nick Foles get them back to the AFC Championship? The Titans, it's Marcus Mariota, the guy. Then you got the Houston Texans, who just traded to Dave and Clowney, but now they got a left tackle. I'm going to go with the Houston Texans in this one. With all their questionable moves in the past few days, I think they got the better team right now. AFC North, Steelers, well, they, they've cut some drama with A.B. and uh, Bell now with the Jets. They got Baltimore, New Era, Lamar Jackson started off last year halfway through. They got the Bengals, and eh, they're rebuilding right now, at least trying to. And then the Browns, the talk of the whole league. Odell Beckham Jr., Baker Mayfield, that defense has a lot of good players on there right now, but can they live up to the hype? I think the Steelers are going to be actually a a better team because they don't have to worry about the drama anymore and maybe kind of flying under the radar a little bit this year. I'm trying not to do it. I'm trying not to drink the Kool-Aid, but I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. And I, I'm just going to go with the Browns. I think talent-wise, there's talent all over that roster, but I know a lot of times we've seen in the league and in sports in general, most talent doesn't win you games all the time. It's just it's it, to me it's a little hard picking the Browns. If I had to pick another team, I'm probably going to pick the Steelers. But right now I'm going to go with the Browns. In the AFC East, it, Patriots. I think Buffalo's on their way. It's just Josh Allen needs to be more consistent. Jets, I think, are on their way. I think the big one there is is Adam Gase. Is, is he going to be able to learn from his experience with the Dolphins? I think the question mark for me with the Jets is Adam Gase. And, you know, Miami, well, let's try again next year. Uh, my Super Bowl matchup, I hate to do it, but I'm kind of going chalk for a lot, uh, for, for you know, chalk because it's based off of a lot of picks out there from national media sense. I'm going uh, Saints versus Chiefs in my Super Bowl, and uh, I'm going to go with the Chiefs over the Saints. Andy Reid gets his first one, gets his first Super Bowl, finally. So those are my picks. Uh, and that's the uh, that's the latest edition of the Man Cave Football Podcast. So appreciate you listening as always. Make sure you subscribe to my podcast uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Spotify, uh, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all that good stuff. Uh, Google Podcasts, wherever. Subscribe, and uh, if you could, make sure 
you can give me a good rating as well. But uh, hey, NFL season is here. Football season is here. The excitement is all around us. Let's get at it for the 100th season of pro football. I'm Dan Casper, and this is the Man Cave Football Podcast.